Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good morning, uh, dear listeners. You're listening to Radio 3CR on 855 AM. No music today, Nasser. No, we're going to get straight into it, Yusuf. It's an action-packed show. Action-packed show. So stay with us. So, so sorry about uh, last week's episode. We had a fantastic event the day before. Well, we concluded Palvember. Palvember. And we ran out of energy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have to remember that Palvember included... Uh, Palestine National Day in the, the Federation, in the Federation Square. We had the Run for Palestine on the 18th. Yes, we walked with um, John Salisbury as he walks to Adelaide to uh, ask Walk the for Palestine. ask the uh, Labor Party to immediately recognise the state of Palestine when the next in power. We had the 10th commemoration of uh, the Palestinian Mahmoud national Darwish. poet. Uh, Mahmoud Darwish, and then we finished with the Jerusalem Peace Prize. Jerusalem Peace Prize. What is this prize for those who has never heard of it? Well, I, I'd be surprised if they haven't heard of you, because our, our listeners are devoted listeners, and they would have been listening let's, to us let's promote give it. One of one of them who just you know. Well, uh, the Jerusalem Peace Prize was busy on we, the last um, days. Australians of Palestine and the Australia Palestine Advocacy Network put together the inaugural Jerusalem Al Quds Al Quds Peace Prize, and it's a prize to be given to an Australian. Uh, for their work advocating for the Palestinians. And this year it was awarded to Professor Emeritus Stuart Rees Australia Medal. Um, and it was a fabulous event at the State Parliament in Queen's Hall. Um, and it was sold out. We had uh, the Honourable Bob Carr present the award. We had a former Foreign Minister in Gareth Evans QC attended also. Um, uh, Bronwyn Halfpenny, who helped us put the uh, event on, was in attendance, as well as many other Janet Rice from the Greens, Senator Janet Rice, and many other um, very uh, important people. But now, now, Nasser, I know that there were people who listened to the show who were, they were hoping that well, the event will not go ahead. Well, but guess what? Amazingly, we do have listeners that aren't on our side, Yusuf. So to, for those listeners that aren't on our side who do listen and give up their Saturday Tough. mornings, Thanks so very much, because in fact what happened was the um, Australian Jewish News ran an article saying that um, Bronwyn Halfpenny had uh, withdrawn withdrawn her support, the event was being cancelled, and we fielded some emails from those listeners, some of our adversaries, saying, you know, why are we promoting the event, seeing it's going to be cancelled? Well, you know, no, 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 we were there, and it was fantastic, and um, we had almost 200 people filled to capacity Queen's Hall, black tie gala event where we recognised uh, the amazing work of Stuart Rees for, for Palestine, um, and we've got that um, video and audio on the jerusalempeaceprize.com.au website, so you can watch uh, uh, Stuart Rees' speech. You can download the um, audio if you want to listen to it as a podcast. If you want to read the speech, the text is there. But it's a brilliant 30 minutes uh, expose on the barbarity of Zionism and the injustice that has been perpetuated upon the Palestinians for 71 years. I was one of the people who attended. I really enjoyed it. Next time, just allow for people who wear casuals because I was I had to borrow a jacket from someone. <laughs> so just allow for this segment of society who are like me. Well, you know, the the Yusuf, you're always welcome, even if you came in thongs and a short, <laughs> shorts. You know that. But the reality no, is, we, we one of the things that um, we wanted to really present to a wide course, demographic was a that. You know, the legitimacy of the struggle for the, of uh, Palestine for their rights, or the Palestinians for their rights, 
but also that here we are in state parliament in Queen's Hall. You know, this used to be the parliament of Australia before Canberra. This was where the country was run from, state parliament of Victoria and Queen's Hall. That, you know, Palestine sits here mm. in its eminence underneath the portrait and the statue of Queen Victoria, that this is where we belong. We don't belong in the shadows. And necessarily, I mean, most of our events, as you know, Yusuf, are shorts and T-shirt because there are other <laughs> protests or runs or whatever. But, but this is a special night on the day of international <clears throat> solidarity with the Palestinian people in State Parliament, in Queen's Hall. We said Palestine is here, 200 people, standing ovation, two standing ovations mm. for Stuart Rees. So a really phenomenal night. Thank you for attending, Yusuf, and, and everybody else. And well. also I want to, uh, to remind our listeners that Stuart Rees, the person who was chosen for the award, uh, is a, a, one of the outstanding uh, academics uh, in Australia who did wonderful work for humanity, whether uh, for oh, yeah. public spending on medical sector Absolutely. or indigenous environment, rights. indigenous rights, yeah. and on Palestine. And But what he did for Palestine... Uh, exceeded the expectation, especially before he was not even a, a, an advocate for Palestine. He was put on a test, and I, I remember something he said when he was blackmailed by uh, basically pro-Israeli lobby to withdraw or to uninvite. So we should go Hanan back. Ashrawi. Just go back a second there, Yusuf. Um, Stuart Rees founded the um, Conflict and Peace Studies Centre in uh, Sydney University, or University of New South Wales, excuse me. Mm. And then from there they created the Sydney Peace Prize, and then he was uh, award- he awarded the prize to Hanan Ashrawi, a Palestinian woman, member of parliament, Christian woman, thinking that's a very palatable person. And, and also a person who went uh, through the path of peace because she mm. was one of the first negotiators. A PhD in English literature. Just no, an just, amazing voice for Palestine. You would, you would think a very worthy recipient. But the Zionists decided to to attack the, the 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 foundation and the invitation and Hanan Ashrawi and the Stuart Rees and to blackmail them, saying that the two the two hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars you have in your account will be zero dollars if you do not uninvite Hanan Ashrawi. And he said, "If I don't stand to my principles this time, I will never." stand for my principles every time. So he uh, resisted that, and to the credit of also the Honorable Bob Carr, Hanan Asrawi, uh, they went ahead with that. And of course, this and other, uh, the list is very long on what he did for Palestine. But he stood steadfast, absolutely. Stood steadfast, a very worthy uh, recipient of the award. Congratulations, Nasser, for putting together. I know Mm. you have done, uh, you have prepared, you have worked months Maybe more than a year. Mm. First time I hear you talk about it. Now I can say. Yep. Uh, so congratulations well, it, it for was, that. It was a team team job. Uh, so there's many people to thank, but I'll accept it on their behalf. So. <laughs> well done, everybody. So uh, um, we're from looking here. we're looking forward to another uh, recipient next year. Next year, absolutely. Okay. From so, here we go to the 100 year anniversary of Sarafand massacre. Mm-hmm. Who in English doesn't have the word massacre? They call it Sarafand affair. Mm-hmm. Because the word massacre is a little bit, you know, well, too I mean, harsh for some. Well, the reality is, you know, and we'll give some context to our listeners. This is uh, a massacre that occurred post the charge of the Light Horse Brigade. So this is after um, Beersheba is liberated from the Ottomans and the the Australians have, you know, uh, marched across the desert with their horses and cavalry charge. The last great cavalry charge in history. That um, there's a little bit of yuckiness to the story and so it was hidden for so many years but it's the 100th anniversary Yusuf and uh, perhaps to give some context to our, our, lis- our listeners 
the, um, the, the, the Australians, the New Zealanders and British, the Anzac forces, were camped in and around um, Beersheba and um, a New Zealand uh, army officer was murdered. Now, what happened next is open to conjecture, but what we do know is somewhere between 50 and 100 Palestinian men were massacred in that night. And so many homes were burnt. Burnt. Two villages completely burnt to the ground. And uh, so we're talking about full retaliation, unjustified. A drunken orgy, Yusuf. Mm. They were drunk on rum, and there's audio recordings of uh, um, some ex-diggers, you know, who, you know, perhaps with many years and post-traumatic stress had made confessions. These are audio recordings in the, the National Archives of these diggers saying it was a drunken orgy. Mm. They sent the women and children out and killed every man they could find. The reality is that when we ask the majority of of Australians about what Palestine meant to them or the involvement of Australian troops in Palestine before World War II, they will have a bit of an imaginary romanticized Mm. portrait about, uh, like you said, the Beersheba, the horses, the triumph. Um, But our narrative doesn't get to make it to history. And like uh, Winston Churchill, said that uh, history is written by the victors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Britain won, so it got to write history, and we in Australia were taught to read their history, and never, and therefore our narrative didn't make it. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is an opportunity that we will highlight the injustices. Again, this, this was the beginning of a century long. Yeah, yeah. Now we live in the 100 year later. It started a, a gate of massacres, mm-hmm. home demolitions, uh, land confiscation, and you know the list goes on by the yep. British and by the later uh, state of Israel. Yep, no, it's a, tra- so, a tragedy. So we what will, is it, 13 will, months after Balfour and now 100 years later. So commemorating the victims of uh, Sarafand uh, massacre. Um, Onwards and upwards, though, Yusuf, we've had a fantastic year for, for BDS. Uh, you know, topped off only this past month with Airbnb saying they're not going to... Uh, uh, they're withdrawing the, Listing. the listings in the West Bank. Um, you know, we've got two now members of the United States Congress who uh, openly endorse BDS. Rashid. Yeah, and uh, Ilhan Omar, uh, Rashid Talib. Mm. Yeah, she, who's the first Palestinian-American in there. Um, just interestingly, when you become a fresh congressman or woman, the first thing that happens is you get the APAC brochure. Good news, <laughs> business class, you're coming with us. We're doing the helicopter tour. You're going to go to the Serdot, to the Golan. We're going to show you our vineyards, speak to the prime minister. Paid. Uh, Paid. Oh, you yeah. know, it's, it's, you know, you're sitting at the front of the plane. Um, the uh, Rashida said, A, no, and B, I'm running my own tour to Palestine for other congressmen, so come along with me. So this Fantastic. is the first time that this is going to be happening. Can I just say one thing here? When Rashida won uh, the elections, uh, one of the major news uh, outlets in Arabic language said that, and a lot of commentators said, oh, she's going to be another spy. Mm-hmm. She's, she's going to be just a fig leaf. And they, they doubted that she will mm-hmm. play a strong role yeah. for Palestine. And I said, look, are you willing to apologize if she endorses BDS? <laughs> And they said, yes, so I'm going to use my platform to ask this person who knows me very well to put an apology for Rashida because she didn't endorse uh, BDS. So we have to give him her six weeks. Six weeks, let's say, okay, now, uh, yes, because because we are heading to Christmas. I expect an apology 
on his Facebook. <laughs> Before the 1st of February. Not, not to me, to Rashida, to Rashida for calling her a spy. On the 1st of February, we're going to out you. Yes. You've been put on notice. Anyway, go on. So from, from there, we had, you know, the, the great news when uh, uh, Lionel Messi and Argentina pulled out of an exhibition match uh, in, in Israel. Lana Del Rey, Shakira, Lord didn't go. The Indian women's movement representing over 10 million Indian women, endorsed BDS. Fantastic. Amnesty International called for an arms embargo on Israel. The UK Labour Party said that they would immediately recognize the state of Palestine and has said we should vote, uh, have voted to freeze arms sales. In Ireland, 50 um, Irish lawmakers have called for Ireland to stop arming Israel. Dublin became the first European capital to endorse BDS. In Spain and Portugal, parliamentarians denounced the nation-state law I mean, these are these are not little things. You know, there's little bits uh, on top of that, and and if you go from there to, I think one of one of our, you know, the cracks. There's there's a dam that is holding back the truth, and the dam is Zionism, yeah. But the cracks, you can only put so many fingers in so many holes. But only this week, uh, the 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 Palestinian solidarity movement in the United States was able to get two high-ranking officers to not attend a. Anti-Defamation League, the ADL in, Amer- uh, in, in America is a Zionist lobby group. Um, and they were able to get two delegates to withdraw from the fully funded to to come and see how to combat, um, use Israeli techniques, Israeli uh, technology in, um, in the United States. And the reality of these um, training programs is whilst they do learn stuff, um, what, what actually is the main purpose, and this is a, a direct quote uh, from the, the director. He said to the Jerusalem Post in 2015, he said, the officers who participate come back and they are Zionists. They are supporters of Israel's state ideology. And it's important to remember that these people, these aren't low-ranking officers. What you're talking about is the police chief of Massachusetts. Colonel Matthew Birmingham is the director of the Vermont State Police. You know, so these are these are top, top guys hmm. who said we're not going. Hmm. Don't want to be complicit. Don't want to learn what you're doing. And when you team that up with you know the victory that the BDS Australia had with the Royal Flock the Royal Flying Doctor Service, yes, not part- not allowing Elbert to supply the technology Real. and the training hmm. systems. Yep. These are you know slow. The momentum is building. Little dots. You know, the Durham City Council in North Carolina was the first U.S. city to ban police exchanges with Israel. So, I mean, it's just little stuff. Brand Israel is smelly, is smelly, and more and more people are understanding that it's smelly and want nothing to do with it. And also, we've never expected that we will open a BDS branch in Arab countries, like, for example, Bahrain. Now, while there is a a big bad news of normalization in uh, some Arab countries, there there are great news coming out. Great stories. Let's go to Jordan. And there are are, uh, also, before we leave BDS, there are uh, advocates from Bahrain, from Qatar, from Saudi Arabia, launching BDS Bahrain, BDS Saudi Arabia, BDS Qatar, because it's no longer... Uh, possible to hide uh, the normalization. Mm. So, on another note, let's go to Bahrain, but before, let's, let's go to Jordan. Before I speak about it, I want you and the listeners to hear this football chanting of Al Wahdat Football Club. Stay with me.
الله فلسطين القدس عربية This is the chanting of the Palestinian football club in uh, uh, well it's a Jordanian uh, Jordanian football club uh, founded by Palestinian refugees and uh, the name of the football club is Al Wahdat and Al Wahdat is the Arabic word for the units when you say Wahdat you, you're saying the units but the meaning of Wahdat is the accommodation units or the the units the basically the houses mm-hmm. that were dedicated for Palestinian refugees in 50s and 60s. Later on, these units produced a football club, and now the football club is winning the league in Jordan and has been since 1981, along with Al-Faisali, the, uh, Jordanian, uh, the other Jordanian uh, derby uh, football club. Now, the Asian Football Federation considered this chanting to be political, which has been, this is the chanting that was uh, the chanting of Wahdat since 81, since the, since the inception of the club. And they said that Wahdat will have to pay 10,000 US dollars as fines if the, if the crowds repeat this in, in stadiums because it has political nature. Now, the response was unexpected from the rival of Wahdat, the Faisali. Mm-hmm. The purely Jordanian, non-refugees, Palestinian, uh, Jordanians. Uh, so, to give context to the listeners, this is Real Madrid versus Barcelona. B- yeah, if like you this. ignore the performance, except, except yes, the skill set. <laughs> I mean, the goalie is but having yes, a smoke. Yeah. The atmosphere, the atmosphere yeah. is even more tense and more polarized. It doesn't matter where they are on the on the on the top of the table. With that, Car- Ali, Carlton versus Collingwood. Uh, pretty much, yeah, yes, yeah. Carlton versus Collingwood. So. Um, uh, Al-Faisali came to the solidarity of Palestinians and said the Wahdat chanting will be our chanting now if you are going to find Wahdat you have to find us and then came Al-Ramtha football club and then came Al-Hussein football club and then came the other uh, 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 teams in Jordan in a sign of solidarity with Al-Quds because we know that Al-Quds is under now we are celebrating, not celebrating what's the opposite of celebrating, remembering the one year anniversary of Trump's uh, yeah. announcement of Jerusalem to be the capital of Israel, so in that in that context I want to give credit to Al-Faisali football well, club. Also to the solidarity of the Arab with the, the Palestinian. The, the Arab solidarity of Palestinians. Not, the, not our leaders and when I say our leaders I'm talking about you know the the the, the, the corrupt, cur- the corrupt dictators. dictators in in the Gulf who you know have recently met with Benjamin Netanyahu and you know we'll have no problems with normalizing normalizing you know and we'll talk about it in another show but you know using the most sophisticated Israeli software you know the, the spyware s- the spyware to be able to track their dissidents to. You know, ultimately, this is how they, you know, are able to kill people like Khashoggi in an embassy in Turkey without him even knowing, you know. And, and this, to, consp- to, to conspire with the, the, the Israelis and, and Zionism to perpetuate the suffering of their brothers and sisters, the Palestinians. And to the dislikes of such governments, the crowds, the, the, the people, mm-hmm. the nations uh, stand always in solidarity with Palestine, Palestine yeah. and their just uh, cause. So good news from Jordan. That's fantastic news. Yusuf, I think we should, um, whilst we've still got a, f- a bit of time, speak about um, our current prime minister. I say current because God knows how much <laughs> longer he's got here. But Scott Mer- Morrison, you know, and his... Uh, on the run announcement in Wentworth that he'd review the embassy move, 
There's word now coming out of um, Canberra that he's convened a group called the <coughs> Wise Elders, and he's you know got these um, uh, Wise Elders, the former Defence and Foreign Affairs uh, Dennis Richardson and former Chief of Defence Force uh, Sir Angus Houston. He's got them together and a few other people. W- what he's looking for is an honourable retreat. I mean, the reality, 100 to $200 million to move the embassy. To save, you know. Save a bit save of face. a bit of dignity. The real fear and, you know, something that perhaps we haven't actually thought through is, you know, the scorpion and the frog, you know, crossing the river and the, the halfway across the scorpion stings the frog and the frog says, but I was taking you across the river. Why would you sting me? He goes, well, I'm a scorpion. You know, this is what I do. And they both drown. The, the real worry is that Scott Morrison and his ultra-right-wing um, conservatives within the ruling Liberal Party, that maybe they go, well, it's time to just scorpion. And they actually, rather than knowing that they're going to lose, say, well, this is something we're going to leave behind. And the um, shadow Attorney General, Mark Dreyfus, who was on Q&A a couple of weeks ago, wouldn't comment on if... Uh, Scott Morrison moved the embassy or made an announcement to move the embassy. It couldn't happen before the election in May. Um, would they undo it? He mm. said, well, I can't say we'd undo it. I mean, so the reality is there's a look, certainly amongst some people, there's a fear that maybe as a, you know, a nuclear option, we're going to lose anyway. Why don't we leave this little bit of a bad taste in everybody's mouth? So. Hopefully, um, wiser heads prevail, but, you know. Well, the reality is, apart from the immorality of this decision, mm. that this is promoting occupation and this is siding with the oppressor, yeah. apart from this, this was a bit of a stupid decision. It, it, says it, it was wrong in every level. Well, it's, it's wrong, and we spoke about it, the, the pettiness of walking mm. into Australia's most Jewish electorate in, with an endeavour to buy... To bribe? Bribe the votes of... Expect, assuming that I mean, they will... Not thinking that the 87, 83% of the constituency that weren't Jewish might see through it. I mean, this is the sort of thing why the Liberal Party in Victoria on a state level lost Hawthorne. I mean, you know, where the average house price is $3 million, they're voted for, and the incoming member for the seat of Hawthorne is a 71-year-old pensioner who lives in a nursing home, beat the uh, shadow treasurer in a suburb well, in a constituency where the average house price is well over $2 million. Mm. They haven't worked out that this far-right reactionary uh, mentality, Australia isn't that. No vision. This is not Donald Trump's uh, Midwest. No vision. No vision. Prisoners. So, Nasser, um, I want to talk about Shadi Farah, a Palestinian boy, a 12-year-old, and I want you and our listeners to imagine of a 12-year-old uh, boy who was arrested, brutally interrogated, and sent to prison for three years uh, for simply, according to the charges, that one of the Israeli settlers who didn't come to court to give testimony told police that he overheard Shadi and his mates on his way from school back home to Jerusalem that they were plotting a crime against settlers. And for that, he was arrested and interrogated. And when we, when, when we talk about interrogation, this is a process that can take up to three months with uh, no access to lawyer, with, 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 with uh, all forms of pressure, including torture and including putting uh, Shadi in winter. It was late November. 
in cold areas without clothes. And uh, so uh, I had the pleasure uh, and uh, to to have spoken to Shadi's mother on our uh, radio program in Arabic, Ana Min Hunak. And in my last question, I asked her if she wants to send a message to the Australian mothers who might be listening to us today. So this is Um Shadi, the mother of Shadi, speaking to any Australian mother. Stay with us. I would send this note to the Australian mothers. I ask them, do you give your kids a kiss before they go to school? Do you, do you see them carrying the school bag? I am a mother. I've been deprived for three years from kissing my son. Every day I go to his bedroom and I see his clothes and toys. Shadi is just a child. His dream is freedom, but his fate was a filthy cell. All he wanted was a toy, a schoolyard and some sweets. And that was uh, Shams Musa, who you can listen to her Nakba story next Saturday. So make sure you're listening to us. Do not miss that. Do not miss it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Thank you again, Shams. Um, but we should really reflect on uh, the, this this tragic situation of this young boy, 12 years old, robbed of his future, three years without the opportunity for education, three years in a um, harsh, harsh adult prison. And we should say, in contravention to the, the Geneva Conventions, these Israeli prisons are within uh, Israel proper, you know, inside the Green Line. They're not near where, where, where the children have been kidnapped from. So the parents, to visit the children, have to apply for permits. They have to get permits to enter Israel. So the opportunities for them to have meaningful contact with a 12-year-old, 13, 14-year-old, as, as he spends his three years in jail, are, are close to zero. Um, so this child is disconnected from his family, disconnected from his peers, disconnected from his education. Any hopes and dreams that a 12 or 13-year-old, 14-year-old, 15-year-old child might have had have been vanquished inside a gulag, a, a, an Israeli dungeon. And then this child comes out as a 15-year-old. You know, what does he do now? He's too old to go back to grade six. He's not uh, has the, doesn't have the education to be in form three. So they destroyed his future. Absolutely. Not to mention the torture and the humiliation and the medical negligence and denial of lawyers and denial of family visits and all lists of human rights violations I mean, that are violations to even Israeli laws. What could a twelve-year-old be doing? At what level of Orwellian craziness is Israel that the, a 12-year-old is a threat to the state? The contrast, uh, Umshadi told me that in one of the, her visits to the court, uh, there was a trial of a Jewish settler teenager who actually did break the hand of an Israeli soldier, and he was sentenced well, for whatever reasons, and he was sentenced for three months home arrest. So he actually for attacked a soldier, an Israeli soldier. And breaking his hand. Broke his hand or arm. Nevertheless, because he, he was a Jew, the right member of society, he was sentenced to three uh, months in home imprisonment, so well, with, uh, in, in his own home. Whereas a Palestinian boy who didn't do anything for assuming that he was plotting uh, a, a crime, he was sentenced for three years in prison. This oh, is... Well. 
This is the, the well, this is apartheid. This is apartheid. Two laws, two people, same country. Let's let's end the uh, the, the episode with a good. Uh, well, BDS Australia, which is a coalition of advocacy groups and Australians, have um, been running a campaign against SBS, or in fact, asking SBS to honour the call for boycott, divestment, and sanctions, and not to broadcast the Eurovision 2019 because it's going to be uh, held within Israel, and. BDS Australia sent a letter to each of the directors of the SBS telling them that we'll be running a, that they'll be running a campaign um, that they should heed our call to not broadcast this uh, event. Um, interestingly, not long after the uh, brochures were printed, uh, they included the SBS logo, but it says Boycott Eurovision 2019, Don't Celebrate Israel's Apartheid Crimes, Free Palestine, hashtag BDS. Um, BDS Australia received a letter from... Uh, SBS's corporate lawyer saying, you know, cease and desist using our logo. Uh, we're going to sue you for using improper use of our logo. We don't endorse the lo- uh, the boycott. You shouldn't be using our logo. Now, interestingly, you know, BDS Australia is not a, a, a big organization by any stretch of the imagining, even with the great success of having the Royal Flying Doctor Service cancel their uh, contract and not proceed with Elbert Systems, who are complicit in death, destruction and murder in Gaza, in West Bank, etc. Interestingly, you know, this sort of what we would think was a backstory, the Australian led with an exclusive by uh, Remy Varga, who, you know, published an article saying, commenting on the SBS letter. And what was good is, you know, we had some fantastic quotes from the BDS spokesman, Hilmi Dabar, who said, we love SBS and we enjoy Eurovision, but having the song contest just 50 kilometres from Gaza where Palestinians are shot to death for protesting their rights, is astonishingly inappropriate. And interestingly, not long after the Australian ran an article, The Guardian also did, and Colin Friels, Frielsey, did a brilliant quote in that. Given the siege of Gaza and the slaughter of Palestinians, the televising of the Eurovision Song Contest must not be allowed to art-wash Israeli brutalities. I strongly support the boycott of this event and urge others to do the same. That's all the time we have this week, Nasser. And uh, do not uh, forget to tune in next uh, Saturday for Shams Musa's uh, Nakba story. With this, we come to the end of this episode. Thank you, Nasser. Thank you, Shams, for uh, being with us uh, today. And we look forward to hearing your uh, story next week. And uh, thank you, our listeners. Bye-bye.